0: Ho, ho, ho. Merry miss! Happy Festivus for the rest of us. We're back. George Springer, Trevor Bauer, DJ LeMahieu. The rumors are out,
1: but who's in on our Mets holiday wish list?
0: We also have a special holiday guest for all you Mets fans. It doesn't get much better than this. It's the 2019 Home Run King and Rookie of the Year the Mets' power-hitting first baseman. It's the polar bear, Pete Alonzo.
1: All that and more is next on a Merry Metsmith edition of Amazing But True from the New York Post.
2: Queens, New York.
0: Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. And now, here they are. Brooklyn Zone, number 27, the F I double G I E, Nelson Figueroa. Astoria's finest, number 69. It's Jay Swizzy, Jake Brown. Ooh! To Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa here coming at you. We got Pete Alonzo joining us in just a few minutes on this epic holiday edition of the show. And Hanukkah did pass. And on the eighth night, you could play back the tape if you're a loyal Amazing But True listener on the eighth night of Hanukkah figgy follows me he did I got the notification I think he was on Jerusalem time figgy it was like midnight or 1am it was figgy after dark and uh, I got the following it says Nelson Figueroa has followed you back and it felt like a, a true blessing at the end of Hanukkah in a year where I'm here solo without seeing my family. Happy 65th birthday to my mother turned 65 today on the Festivus. She looks 45, so shout out to you, Mom. But on the eighth night of Hanukkah, Figgy followed me.
1: That's right. I told you I'd come through for you, bro. It, it, it was a long time coming. I've uh, been a fan of your work uh, for a number of years First now, time a but... long time. Yeah, but now that uh, I've gotten that over with, do you get a alert if I unfollow? Does that happen? Well, I, I
0: checked the next day to make sure. I was like, he might unfollow me quick. <laughs> I will be not happy if you do it. Don't you dare no, no. do it now. You won't. No, no,
1: 2020, 2020 was uh, not kind to any of us, so I, I wouldn't do that to you just
0: yet. Yeah, that would have been really putting me through the ringer uh, <laughs> if you did that. But, yeah, we're excited, man. We got uh, Pete Alonzo coming on the show for probably a longer interview than any show's ever done with him. So, you know, weird flex, but okay. Um, but, yes, I mean, it's a 40-plus-minute interview with Pete, so that's going to happen in a few minutes. But we wanted to come at you for the holidays. You know, we haven't been here in a while, obviously. There hasn't been a ton of big Mets news. James McCann, nice signing. I think, Figgy, we agree we want to real mudo, but for the price you get McCann for, you know, $10 million a year – it makes perfect sense, Figgy. You got a catcher. He's he's pretty solid defensively. He's an okay hitter. He's probably going to be their eight hitter, so it's not like you need a ton out of him. So he makes sense. They they bring back Syndergaard for one more year of arbitration for nine point seven million. You know they they brought in Trevor May to bolster the bullpen. So they got a reliever. They got a catcher. Um, We'll get into in a minute. Who else? But so far, so good for Steve Cohen. And what has been a slow-moving offseason with a lot of teams struggling financially because of getting hit by COVID? It might take a while for these moves to hit that the Mets really want.
1: Yeah, those $100 million-plus players, they're not going to be signing uh, until after the new year, probably closer to when— whenever spring training is gonna roll around. You know, that that's still up in the air right now as well. We have the vaccine rolled out. So they're trying to get as many people uh, vaccinated as possible and then have an opportunity for, some kind of normalcy with the season, and I, I don't know if a team is willing to put some guaranteed money out there before we know what's happening next year, just in life in general. Putting more than $100 million out there, guaranteed money, I don't, think, I don't see many teams doing that. Remember, Harper and Machado, who were guaranteed $300 million players, they didn't get their signings until February. Uh, right before spring training actually started. So I'm not looking for any of these guys to be blown away with some lowball offers just to get it in before the new year.
0: Sometimes you got to get it in before the new year. You know, you got it before the new year hits. You just got to get it in.
1: No, that's usually how it happens because players like to uh, know where they're going in the upcoming year. But, uh, you know, for most of us, uh, if you can get it in once or twice before the new year, that's when you do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying. (laughs) I can't even take that seriously. You got to (laughs) just laugh at at this damn show. We're back. Folks, we're back and better than ever. We're coming at you hot in 2021. We're getting it in in 2021. I'm hoping they get this season in in full, man, because I need to be at City Field. Inject me. I mean, I'm waiting. You know, obviously, we're all waiting because we're all average people. We're not getting vaccinated for a while. I'm, you know, hopefully that can get taken care of. And everyone's, you know, talking. All the ru- rumors are out. Mets. Blue Jays, George Springer. It's a no brainer. Bring in George Springer. Sign him. Money's not an issue. So I don't want I hate the, the the Mets contacted this guy. Like Bambi Fartino reporting live that the Mets contacted uh this guy. Who cares? Make the move. Of course, you're gonna contact every single guy figgy. So I listen, I'm those reports, I, I don't really care much for them. I just want to see who they sign. And I think Springer's atop the list. I think Bowers right there. His agent, Rachel is all over the place. You know, he's all over the place, and I think he's probably number two. I mean, those are the top two guys. On, I think on every Mets fan's Christmas wish list. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know who Bambi Fartino is. I don't follow a lot of people, so maybe you could, you know, let me know who that is later. But I do say George Springer is the number one signing if you want a defensive uh, center fielder, right-handed power. Uh, he checks all the boxes. Uh, he's a guy from the Northeast, played at UConn. So I see him being a tremendous addition to the Mets lineup, something that they need more so than Trevor Bauer to me. I'm not hating on the guy. I really am not. I promise you guys, I'm not hating on the guy. He's a tremendously talented pitcher. There's just a few red flags that pop up for me when it comes to him. And one of the things that he had said, In previous interviews is that if he wanted to bump up his spin rates, he knew of ways to do that. He famously has worked on using uh, foreign substances to enhance his spin rates. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, this year of the Cy Young, all his spin rates were up about that same exact number 400 RPMs on all his pitches. When it's only 11 games, you can go all out for 11 games. It's what happens the next 11 games. We've seen that happen with a guy like Steven Matz. First seven games of the season, he's fantastic. The next seven games, he's terrible. Last year alone, when he got to Cincinnati, his ERA was over a six. Listen, he had a phenomenal 11 games. He won a Cy Young. That's great. But he also did not have to play second fiddle to anyone. When he was in Cleveland, he was third fiddle on that team with two guys ahead of him that finished ahead of him every year in Cy Young voting. He's going to have Jacob deGrom to have to play second fiddle to. So no matter what he's done, and yes, he's the reigning Cy Young, he's going to have to be behind Jacob deGrom for the next so many years. And I don't know how well he will do with that. So Um, that would
0: mean, Figgy, that you're more in the realm of Tomoyuki Sugano, the Japanese no, that- top pitcher that the Mets are connected to.
1: Listen, I you bring you can bring him in and it's not even about less money. It's just what are you going to get plus the pitcher, right? And I'm looking at a Trevor Bauer where some people can be Robin. This guy has to be Batman. If he's not Batman, then he can't be a Robin. I don't see that being in his nature. I just don't. And I don't know, I, I know what he's doing. He's, he's, of course, playing up to Uncle Stevie and, and saying how he's a genius and Sandy allison's a genius and baseball in New York is phenomenal and fantastic. Of course, you're going to do that. And you're, the agent is leading him in that direction because you want to drive up your mark so but in this offseason where there really isn't a market do you outbid yourself for the services of a trevor Bauer? or do you go out there and get two guys who are you know below that because what are you looking to fill out you're looking to fill out your rotation you know you have a number 4 or 5 in peterson you have the top 3 all healthy. By the time Syndergaard gets back, you got possibly top three that can compete with anybody with Strowman coming back in the mix. So I I don't know exactly where I'm going with this. And I don't know where where, I mean by that. I don't know if I want to latch myself to somebody for five, six years and expect that same kind of production and never really get it. Is that worth 150 million dollars is he going to get Jacob deGrom type money yeah I mean I'm indifferent on him
0: if if he gets that much I kind of agree because he just doesn't have the track record to prove it Give me Sugano. I mean, what I hear about this guy is that he's really good. The Mets are in on him. I don't know how much he's going to cost, but bring him here. I mean, you know, I'd rather have him than, like, if they sign Tanaka. I mean, we know what Tanaka is. We don't know what Sugano is. Maybe lights of the league. Who knows? I think you got to bring in two. So if they can bring in Sugano and Bauer, I think Mets fans will jump for joy. But before we go to Pete Alonzo, let's just our wish list. On the first night of Christmas, Uncle Stevie gave to me, George Springer. I think center field, plug him in there, gives you options to left field. You can move Nimmo to left. You can play McNeil in left. You can play Dom Smith. You have JD. They have so many guys that can fill in in left field, and it gives you a good defensive center fielder, which the Mets have been missing. So he's number one. Number two is a starting pitcher. If it's Bauer, okay, I'm fu- I'm cool with it. If it's Sugano, cool. But I think you need if it's if it's someone like Sugano, I think you need to bring in two because with Cindergard now they're saying he might not be back till June. We'll see. The season might not start till May or June. We don't know yet. So I think you really need two pitchers. If they get Bauer, I don't see them bringing in a, a big second name, but someone less, two lesser guys, you're set there. And then, listen, I would love DJ LeMahieu. If they could pull off, I know I'm I'm hoping for a lot here, but it, they, we got the money. If you get Springer, maybe Bauer, Sugano, and one other pitcher, a lesser price pitcher, and then get DJ LeMahieu, I think that's a home run, that's a success, and then maybe a couple of a piece like Liam Hendricks. That's probably my, you know, top five, top four, top five wish list. LeMahieu's lower in the list just because it's not a need as much, Figgy, because you can play McNeil at second. You have JD at third. But if you have LeMahieu there, I mean, he could play second. He could play third. He could play late for Alonzo at first. He gives you so many options. And then if you have a DH, which I don't know if the NL right now is, he gives you options. So LeMahieu's at the bottom there, but very happy if they brought him in too.
1: Yeah, I mean, remember when the it was LeMahieu or Jed Lowry, Uh, and uh, the Mets chose Lowry thinking he had the better power numbers and a lot of times those course field hitters move on to other places and they don't hit nearly as well but you had to realize the type of hitter that me who was he was a contact hitter, a guy who could hit the ball right field with the best of them a guy who moved the ball around and in that lineup when it came to worrying about power guys and uh, guys with big huge swings he was the contact guy, but he also was a guy that could do damage, especially in that small field in the Bronx. He would be a great addition. He would be a great addition because he can do all those things. But you are running into a problem of, okay, now how many players can we carry? How many things can we do? The mixing and matching, the not having a, a set lineup every game and moving guys like you know Pete Alonso from the three-hole to the eight-hole. That became a thing last year where I'm pretty sure it's out of the manager's hands, but because of the analytics – where are you moving these guys around and the best way to play them and the best way to do it. There was a lot of mixing and matching that I don't know if that's the best thing for me, baseball wise, I get it. I understand it. But I think when you start getting some players in there who are used to playing a certain amount or used to getting three games in a row to see if they you know, can right the ship or if they continue with a hot bat, and then you're pulling them out to put in a guy who maybe had success. There's a lot of things that could kind of go wrong with that. It's overthinking the game. And I think a team that it reminds me of, I don't want this Mets team to become the new San Diego Padres of yesteryear where they tried to put together an all-star team and by June they were trading away all the pieces and they, it wound up helping them in the long run because they had to rebuild but then the next three years they spent being the laughing stock of the National League West so I, I'm looking for the Mets to fill some holes and yes you want some uh, aggressive competition friendly competition Uh, Internally, But at the same time, it's it's difficult for a lot of players to be like, man, if I don't get a hit this game or two hits this game, I might not play again for a while. Look at what happened to Rosario. Rosario went from being the superstar future or future superstar everyday shortstop of the Mets to riding the pine for a rookie. So that's something that players get concerned about when they go back because you got to look at precedence. And precedence right now says, If you're not getting the job done, we'll put somebody in there who can. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. And you might not understand it as a player, but you have to kind of sign on for it and see the bigger picture where a lot of players can't do that.
0: Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa, Amazing But True podcast, America's favorite Mets podcast. Do us a favor right now if you're listening, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. But if you're an Apple Podcast, give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review. We appreciate your continued support as we bring you shows. Whenever news hits, if the Mets sign George Springer, we'll be at you. If the Mets sign Trevor Bauer, we'll be at you. If the Mets sign a backup catcher, we're probably not going to be at you. But for big news, we will be at you. Now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Joining us next on Amazing But True, it's the Polar Bear, the Mets' first baseman. Everyone loves him. It's Pete Alonso coming right up. Joining us next on Amazing But True is a first baseman with an iconic fellow dad bod in his rookie season with the Mets in 2019. He broke the major league rookie home run record, cranking 53 dingers, which also made him the MLB home run leader and the first Met to hit 50 homers. He, of course, won the NL rookie of the year and made the all-star team as well. Because of just 60 games in a funky 2020, he hit 16 long balls last year. Which brings his career home run total to wait for it the nicest number 69. He changed the game where his enthusiasm and passion helped him create the LFGM lifestyle, making LGM a thing of the past. He's a Tampa native, a Gator, and most importantly, he's the Polar Bear. Let's give a warm, amazing, but true welcome to the Mets first baseman, number 20, Pete Alonzo. Pete, it's Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa. Welcome to Amazing But True. Happy
2: holidays. Merry Christmas. How are you? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me on.
0: Yeah, we appreciate it, man. uh, What's life like for you? I know you're down in Florida. The sun is shining. You told us before we started, you actually enjoy the snow. Unlike me, I hate the snow, hate the cold. Uh, But how's your your little COVID off-season? How's everything going?
2: I mean, everything's been going really well so far. I've been training my ass off. I've been working really hard uh, in the gym. Slowly, recently this past week, I slowly starting to ease myself and uh, getting some work done in the cage and throwing and, and taking some ground balls and stuff like that. And also, I've been uh, working uh, pretty thoroughly with our analytical department. Jared Faust has I've been a tremendous help for me, uh, helping me formulate an, an amazing attack plan for next year. So whenever this next season starts, I'm, I'm going to be ready as ever. And I'm extremely motivated to, to uh, kick some ass and win a championship.
1: Oh Absolutely. I mean, you almost single-handedly carried the Mets last year to a chance to make it to the playoffs. Uh, one of the things that people marveled over was your relationship with Dom Smith and how that really played out, especially that last game where you got taken out, Dom. Smith goes in, hasn't had an at-bat in almost two months, and what does he do? Walk-off home run. How big of a moment was that for you to see that happen for Dom?
2: Dom's a great player. And it, it, it's, I, I love seeing, I love seeing my teammates succeed. And like that moment was extremely special, especially uh, coming off the bench and not having an at bat and then legitimately just finishing up rehab, not going anywhere because it was September, late in September. Uh, there wasn't any minor league ball going on, so he couldn't go on a rehab assignment. He legit just cold turkey just jumped, jumped right in the batter's box and put a hell of a swing, hell of an at bat. And he just went, went like he just went in that box guns blazing it was that was special and then last year seeing him absolutely ball out it was that was that was cool I mean he I mean he, he's a hell of a player and I, I love I love seeing not just Dom but all my teammates succeed because A it helps us win but also it's like playing well and, and doing well it's, it's it's awesome like for him personally so it's great all around.
0: Pete there's a level of excitement amongst the Mets fan base we got the richest owner. In sports, he's got four. He's wiping his ass with billion-dollar bills, Pete. He's got more money than anyone on the planet—fourteen billion dollars. Mets fans, we all think we're getting every free agent known to man. What do you think of Steve Cohen so far? Do you guys have like a group text exchange? Have you guys texted or called each other? Have you been in contact with him?
2: Yeah. So uh, I actually I, I talked with him. Uh, I believe. I'd probably say a couple of weeks ago. And it was just a, it was like a, it was a short eight minute phone call, but I, I really enjoyed talking with him. I mean, he's, he seems extremely enthusiastic about, uh, about the future. And I mean, it, it's been a, it's been a nice off season so far and it's, it's been it's been really 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 great and i'm excited to see what team we end up with at, at spring training uh when we fill when we fill some of the gaps but it's been great so far and i'm just anxious as anybody else to see who we get because it's i mean it's fun i mean i get to see who my uh who my new teammates are
0: has he told you his grand plans are are, are we getting george springer trevor bauer like do, do you know what's happening here
2: i got no idea i mean i i mean I, I find everything out through the through the mlb app i don 't i don 't really <laughs> I, I know
1: <laughs> talking about the off season there 's an extended off season for one of your teammates and when I first met you. I spoke with Robinson Cano, and he legitimately turned around and kind of just pointed at you You in a locker next to him. He pointed at you, and he said, see that guy right there? Special. One word. That's all he used was special. And then I talked to him, of course. I said, you know, well, how's the defense? And he talked about how he was working with you with the smaller glove and the paddle to try and work your hands a little bit better. And he said you worked so hard on getting yourself better defensively. How disappointed were you to hear about Cano?
2: Well, I – I mean, I I look up to Robbie. I mean, he's one of my he, he's one of my guys that I lean on. Like he, as a veteran, he was one of those guys that uh, took me under his wing. It's like as talented as he is as a player. I mean, he's done some remarkable things in the game of baseball. Won a World Series. Been to the playoffs a ton, and he has had just an incredible, and illustrious career. Not only is he a fantastic player, but he's helped me out so much. I mean, he's like having another coach, uh, but having a world class second baseman like next year on the diamond. So for, for me, he's helped me out so much with, with approach, how to how to be a pro, how to handle myself in the big leagues. Like I, I lean on him for a lot of advice and I mean I know it's 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 extremely unfortunate, but i i think I think the world of him because he's helped me so much and he's been so influential and he's been such had such a positive impact on me i mean he's just one of those guys that that just took me in and i and for this and for his like, um, for this next year, I know it's going to be it's it's going to be really tough for him. And coming back is is going to be uh, after not playing. It's that next year. It's it's going to be tough. But I mean, I, if there's anybody that can that can handle it, I know it's. And, and go through this tough time and come out stronger and, and, and better for it, I know I know it's going to be Robbie.
0: You mentioned coaching, Pete. Was it hard to have a virtual or, or Chili Davis working from home? Did that affect you when there were times you struggled and not having a hitting coach? Did that make trying to adjust, you know, from, you know, 600 miles away versus six feet away kind of difficult?
2: I mean, chill, having chill is, is was awesome. And then, but at the same time, it's, it was tough having – I mean, granted, he's he's, hot, he's one of those people that are high risk and he has to do what's best for him and his family. But for me, yeah, it was it was a little tough because there are certain things that you can see and, and kind of feel and vibe with in person. And, and in 2019, like there would be certain times in the game where he would just say just maybe two or three words to me after at bat, next at bat, boom, I'm right back on it. So as opposed to like having to walk through it on Zoom, as I mean, that, that's such a – a, this is like such a 2020 answer. I mean, it's just not it's not just me trying to trying to succeed at what I do. But I mean, I'm sure it's the same, like with regular businesses, people trying to accomplish things, get things done. And then it's easier to do in person. But unfortunately, like we're left with Zoom. I mean, Zoom's great, but it's it's still not in person, hands-on, like um, like we're kind of used to. So uh, it was different for sure. I mean, I- I'm looking forward to having him back in person uh, in the cage and in the dugout in 2021.
1: I see the stock rising already for Zoom and the MLB app right now. It's just kind of moving up <laughs> a di- direction on the uh, stock market. Pete's plugging them away. One of the biggest things that I think <laughs> Uh, pete can talk about is the lack of fans last year and how did that affect you not having actual fans and only seeing the cardboard cutouts that were out there at city field i mean
2: granted i i love the game of baseball i think i'm i'm so happy that we got to play last year because i mean not not just for us as players but i feel like for fans as well it 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 allows some sort of like escape from or like mental escape or just like okay you know what sports are i know sports aren't weren't normal in twenty twenty, but at least they're played and we get to figure it out, uh, in, in some way. And I'm happy that not just us but all all the other major sports figured it out and we, we got to play. But I'm I'm so damn excited to have butts back in the seats i mean I, I miss people going absolutely bonkers after jake gets a big strikeout or or mike or nimmo or anybody else makes a hell of a play in the outfield or someone hits a home run or, or something like that like i i miss i miss feeling the ground shake from people going bonkers at city so it's um i i miss that
1: the virtual it's, noise it's, didn't like, cut it for you
2: no absolutely <laughs> not
1: <laughs> I didn't think
0: it would. I yeah, didn't think I mean, it would, brother. I'm a guy that goes to 30 to 40 Met games a year. So, for me, I mean, it sucked, I mean, just not being there and just, like, my social life took a hit. I mean, where what am I doing now? Like, on, on a Tuesday night, I'm usually going to, you know, City Field after work. Instead, I'm watching at home. So, I, I ho- definitely hope there will be fans. I'm a little worried, Pete. They, You know, there's been talks of the season maybe being pushed back to May, june i don't i don't know when they're thinking wait maybe for more people to get the vaccine so fans can come in the building uh what's your thoughts on a potential delay of the season happening
2: well i think we we figured out how to play during the worst part of the pandemic without a vaccine and with more and more people getting a vaccine for me there's i don't think there's a reason why we we can't play without fans and then once more and more people are getting vaccinated then slowly bring people back in like We had, like, I think we had, like, 12,000, 15,000 people at the World Series game, or at, like, every game in the World Series, so I think that, and that was, like, without a vaccine, so if we don't have a vaccine in, in, like, October, November, then we can, if we have a vaccine now, and then there's going to be more and more getting pumped out to uh, the public. We, can, we got two companies with the coming out the vaccine, and I I don't see why we can't we can't play because now we have a vaccine. We have the protocols. We we know how to play in a pandemic because we proved we could do it last year, and it just I I think it just makes too much sense.
0: Was that uncomfortable, Pete? Like last year, having the mask, the protocols can't spit. I have to imagine that's kind of crawling in the back of your head while you're playing, trying to deal with all these rules, protocols, not going out when you're at the hotel, going out to eat, gotta get room service. The uncomfortable nature of the season, everything surrounded, it had to have an impact on you mentally and on the field.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, it's like we're we're playing ball, you know? I mean, I'd, I'd much rather feel uncomfortable. and I, like, I'm so happy that we, we got to play because I mean, for me, I, I love the game so much, and uh, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It was annoying, this and that, but I mean, playing the game that I love. I mean, that's. I mean, for whatever, for whatever time between the lines, it, I mean, to me, it's, it's um, like. I, I love playing. So I'd, last year, if if we were to redo it over, then I'd rather go through what we went through with the protocols than than not play at all.
1: For you, your relationships, or or did that curtail you? I mean, the whole high fiving—that's that's part of your game, like being that kind Chess, of chest, chest bumping,
2: belly bumping, all that. Yeah,
1: all yeah. that stuff. Like even just the home run celebrations, it kind of left you a little dry.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it was uh, it was definitely, it was definitely weird, that's for sure. But I mean, next year, I think that there's going to be fans in the stands. I think that there's going to be celebrations. We can spit, talk to people, and be normal because we we got the vaccine coming. And I, it may not all be right at once, but I think that through the course of of next year, everything will be introduced kind of incrementally. Because I, I I don't think that we're gonna we're gonna jump in the deep end like right away or do the whole sink or swim. I think the best way I can. Get kind of describe it as you take a four-year-old that kind of knows how to swim you take him in the shallow end and then take him deeper deeper and deeper and then see what happens if you can swim you can swim you know so i think that's kind of how what the approach is going to be for this year it'll be okay we'll test the waters progressively throughout the whole thing
1: i always thought that the idea would be to kind of space it out and have a 20 percent kind of thing and have people around but i'm looking forward to this year and looking forward to you having many many at bats and and uh home run trots and celebrations inject man.
0: me with that vaccine Inject it in my veins get my <laughs> fat ass to city field eating a chicken parm hero maybe some lobster fries a couple you know i would do anything to pay 16 for an overpriced but light right now pete alonzo you seem like a guy who would be like the great beer pong partner pete uh are, are you a beer pong champion what's your beer of choice
2: well i i'm i'm not a beer pong champion by any means but i I do like beer? There's a lot of stuff I like, but it's, I like—I um, mean, it just depends on what type of mood I'm in. If I'm having like, if I'm having maybe one or one or two, then I'll have like a nice IPA with a meal. But favorite beer of all time is Pliny the Elder.
0: Wow, I don't even think I've heard of that.
2: What is it called? Pliny the Elder. So the Russian River Brewing Company—they're um, the only people that make it. Last year when I went to San Francisco, I had them get a 24 pack of it. So this company is, or the the brewery, I think it's in the Livermore Valley, and it's 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 the absolute best. It's the bee's knees, and it's pretty tough to get. And I, in in my mind, I think it's like the the holy grail of of, of beer. Wow. It's everything wow. you want.
0: Their stock just rose like a man in gray sweatpants <laughs> at a Playboy mansion. I mean, it's pretty pretty amazing. Uh, that, that's awesome. Now, I'm not, I'm not a huge IPA guy. I've actually become a big, I don't know, if ain't no laws when you're drinking claws over the pandemic. Oh, been been on my the White Claw, Claw game. What, what are your thoughts on White Claws?
2: I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan. I'm not
1: a fan. <laughs> I told Jake, it's like pumpkin spice lattes when the fall uh, hits. That's yeah. how I'll, I'll treat White Claw. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Morning. um Pete Alonzo is, is joining us uh Pete tell us about about homersforheroes.org you guys are supporting troops you're hitting homers donating money tell us about what you and haley are doing with that
2: yeah, so thank you for bringing that up. This past season, we had a um, it was a it was a really really successful first year, uh, especially in, in a pandemic. So we worked with um, the Dream School uh, to help provide uh, resources for those kids uh, this coming year. It and it's been a tough time. Also, we launched the uh, the sixty sixty Heroes and sixty Games campaign. So that basically just highlighted just just heroes in, in different communities because you don't have to wear spandex tights and a cape and have superpowers to be a superhero you just have to impact people in the most positive way and and leave a, a lasting impact and we recognize those heroes and and we really appreciate uh everybody that, uh let us uh share their stories and then also this holiday season um Haley and I we are we're in the we're almost uh, we're almost finished with this project, but we're working with with a uh, like a, a foster uh organ a foster care organization pro- and uh, we're going to provide twenty thousand dollars worth of uh, worth of clothing, whether it be coats, boots, shoes, to this organization and, and help help kids out during the during the winter, provide them with like a new coat or or shoes and. Because I mean, everyone—it's—it's cold as hell in New York. I mean, it's—I mean, you guys know better than I do. So you need good a, a good set of boots and a, and a nice coat or a good set of layers to, to keep warm. So if listeners would be ever so kind, the next couple of days, you log on, see see how you can help, and uh, for everybody who's who's donated, supported us, and. Uh, registered to our site uh, we really appreciate all the support and it, it's been a tough year for a lot of people and we really appreciate everybody who's helped us uh, impact others and recognize heroes and we just want to continue to do good and in, in, in as many places as possible so thank you so much for everybody that that's helped along we really appreciate that
1: yeah pete i i have to say you have uh also personally for me uh, there's been several occasions already in your young career that you have stood out Other than, you know, with your big swing a charity that I work with, the uh, High Lifeline Team Perry and uh, Perry Finkelstein family, uh, the Finkelsteins, they went nuts. They got the jersey from you with the letter and uh, it was such a special thing. Um, you went above and beyond, and it wasn't just your name being used for a charity. You took it personal. You uh, were able to give them the jersey from that game that day that you honored them and all the things that they do. And I, wa- I thank you for that immediately as soon as I saw it. And going even a step further than that, you spoke out against social injustice, where a lot of athletes before this year really didn't. And especially in the New York media market, it's very difficult for you to do that. The quote was, I have a voice and I will not remain silent. Can you talk about what it was like to be on the forefront and someone in the New York media to speak out about what was happening last
2: year? Well, I, I think for me, it's like I granted, I, I just want to I want to be an ally for for anybody who's uh, going going through any any sort of injustice. I, I don't care if you're black, white, red, brown, green, purple, like there's there's so many people out there that, that need to get their voices heard. And I want to be there to, to help. And I, I just want to be there and, and be a support for for change. And granted, I, I can like there's always things I can educate myself more on. There's more things that i can be involved with but i ultimately i want to be an ally and ultimately if you see something uh that's that's wrong call it out call bullshit. and that's the best thing you can do is just speak up and 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 make a stance draw draw a line and stand and just say hey listen like enough's enough if if something's wrong then then call it out and you say it how it is that i mean change doesn't happen if, if you don't if, if you don't call something out that's wrong and and, and do do something to uh for change.
0: Pete, I just got back from running through my local brick wall after that. I'm re- I'm ready to roll now. Geez. Um <laughs> Pete Alonzo joining us. Follow him on Twitter at Pete Alonzo underscore Alonzo20 and Polar, Pete Twenty and Instagram. Pete, you kind of took that leadership role on. I feel like pretty quickly rookie year this past year. It's rare to see that at a young age. You kind of, you know, you're not a New Yorker, but you felt it felt like you were a New Yorker, like you were met through and through did you find it important to kind of be a leader early and once guys saw you, you know, you were hidden so well, um, that leadership role, you know, you kind of took on?
2: Well, I, I really appreciate you calling me a leader. But, I mean, for me, I, I just – honestly, I, I just speak my mind. I don't – well, for the purpose for of the course. And I, I'm just – I feel like I'm just a, a stand-up guy. I don't really – I didn't really say like, hey, like I'm the leader. I just want to, I just want to just be there for my teammates, play the best I can and impact people in a positive way. I mean, that's, that's all I want to do. I that's like, I didn't, I I don't want to say, I I mean, I didn't ask for it. I just kind of just stepped in and I I just was myself and I I just want to continue to to be myself. And I I just want to just have an impact on, obviously, like on the ball field, I want to be the best player I can be. I want to be, I mean, ideally, I want to be the best in the world, but ultimately what I do between the lines it's important but it's not everything and I just want to be the best teammate best person I can possibly be
1: yeah a lot of people that I have talked to they said that this isn't an act this isn't somebody trying to lead this is just who he is and everybody else looks over and they're like yeah look at this guy he's a great leader I mean people are already saying they could see the sea on your jersey you're the next captain in line uh, and that, that's something that bears a lot of weight when it comes to getting that kind of acknowledgement early in your career I look at some of the frustrations that you went through last year, Um, watching you in that DH role and, you know, if you weren't having a good day at the plate, seeing you go through those frustrations. And McNeil is another guy that it pains me to watch you guys go through these little slumps, uh, you know, and, and you have these at bats and seeing how you deal with those frustrations and you let out those frustrations for a young player. Can you speak to the younger player, the younger generation about dealing with failure, especially at the major league level?
2: Right and um, dealing, I guess, dealing with it in the at the big league level, it's different because every single every single pitch, every single out, it, it means more. It's it's more than a game to a certain extent because at, at the big league level, or any at any professional level i don't care if you're in rookie ball playing in the in the dominican summer league or if you're playing double AA, a triple a whatever i mean if you're in professional sports like your performance that's that's your livelihood and for me it's like not playing well it's a it's not fun and yeah it's frustrated um but to me like i have to i have to get it out because after i get it out or if like it's like i like I go in the tunnel, I yell, like, or if I break a bat, it's over, it's done. Like, because, like, for me, if I internalize things, it, it gets worse. But if I let the frustration out, it's like, all right, I'm good. On to the next one. It's, it's like, for me, it's a way to, like, flush it. I'm not saying don't use me as an example when I get, like, that mad or frustrated, because that, that's a terrible example and I need to get better at that. But, but it, it for, people that don't understand it it's 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 a difficult thing and i know it's not right and i know i need to be a better i need to do a better job at that but it's i mean ultimately it's it's just a like a a livelihood thing and it's just frustration because a i know i can do better and b i know i i could have succeeded when i didn't
1: oh no no i listen i'm not trying to condemn you or come down on you because you know you're letting those frustrations show what i'm trying to, to basically get at is that for new york fans you know what that means for us is that you care you care enough to get that upset and to get that angry like you don't see that all the time you see guys strike out a few times and they just kind of walk back to the dugout and they do it their own way right but when the fans are looking and they see that kind of like oh he doesn't care he's getting paid regardless if he strikes out or not kind of laissez-faire attitude but then they see pete Alonso struck out with a man on second base and he shattered his bat over his knee they appreciate that you had the same frustration that they did because they just threw something against the wall in their own apartment. So don't I, I don't want you to feel like I'm condemning you or saying you're a bad example for kids. It's not a, a bad example for kids for me is the uh, the bat flipping and, and trying to do a cartwheel down the first baseline. That to me is a bad example. Passion for the game. I will never condemn you for that. Uh, being aggressive and you trying to leg out a double. Don't do triples. Stay with doubles. Don't try to leg Man, out a triple. No, I want to
0: see a triple. That's what I want to
1: see. Passion for the game is, is is everything for me, and I think you brought that excitement to the New York Mets the day you put on the uniform. Everybody was waiting and clamoring to uh, to see you. We didn't get to see you that first year where you tore it up in the minor leagues, and then you came out and you hit the ground running in the, your first major league season. Last year, even though it was a difficult time, you still had some good pluses to work off of. Hearing how dedicated you are this offseason, I'm excited, man. I'm excited more than ever for 2021 to see what you're going to be able to do in, in, in a Mets uniform once again.
2: Yeah, I, I'm – I couldn't be more excited for next year. I um I I appreciate. I mean I, I hope I hope Jared Fauci, I hope you're you're listening or, or you see this, but I really appreciate the, the hard work, dedication, all the like powerpoints, the research, uh, presenting the data uh, extremely well. Uh, I hope I hope he sees this because it, it's it's going to be a hell of an attack plan, and I'm, I'm I i can not wait for uh to kind of work on it in spring training uh, because right now before I get to camp, it's refining my swing getting it to where I want and then once I get my timing down in spring training that's when I can really have some fun playing around with and certain some certain things that we're talking it's going to be fun
0: I love that you kind of take notes do you do you plan on still doing that next season every year and do you learn from these notes that you take after at bats like you know this curveball got me the next time I got him do you learn from these notes and do you plan to do it next year
2: Oh, I've I've been I've done it every single year, every single year since uh since college. Like Aaron Nola, like that ace ace type of pitcher. It's like he loves the backdoors two teams. Obviously his his curveball is his that's his that's his bread and butter. But for example, like last year he just tried he tried to uh he tried to throw like even count change ups when Real Muto was behind the plate. Like you have different catcher combinations from that day. And I can always look back for the next, like when we play like the Phillies or the Nationals or the Dodgers or whoever, I say, okay, so-and-so tried to do this this day. They're probably going to do that again. So it's I, I always try and do that to keep the best possible attack plan for that day.
1: Speaking of the attack plan, I know, you know, it, it's been a short career thus far, but is there one pitcher who kind of has your number? And working with Jared, you're trying to figure out a way to avoid that. Uh, continued success for that pitcher.
2: I don't I don't want to say yes and I don't want to say no. I mean there's there's but there there's been days where, where I've gotten I've gotten guys, there's been days where guys have gotten me. Um, I mean that's just and, that, and that's the beautiful thing about baseball. It's it's that cat and mouse game uh, that through, let's say, first time, uh first time, let's say, I'll bring it 2019. So I had a really good day. My second day in the big leagues off Steven Strasburg. Uh, I, I think I had, I think I had my first double off him. I think maybe my first RBI. I think I had two at-bats off him. And I got, I got two hits. And then that next series, he came and absolutely, Shut me down that next series at City Field. So, it, it honestly, it's that cat and mouse, that, that it's that marathon of 162 games where if you see a guy three, four, maybe even five times, depending on the ro- where guys are at or at the rotation when you play them. So, I mean, it, 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 it's not about getting guys certain days, it's about outlasting them over the course of the year and there's everyone has their days and and I have my day sometimes
1: yeah you know what's incredible about that answer is that normally you'd be like yeah this guy you know struck me out a bunch or whatever the way you're looking at it is yeah he may have had his day he won the battle but I'm gonna win the war so over a 10-year career you know let's see who ends up on top and how those numbers change I know that was when I was going up to the minor leagues I was having great numbers in the first half and I didn't get moved up And one of the coaches said, you know, I'm surprised you're still here. And I said, I am, too. And he said, well, you know what? In the major leagues, you're going to have to face the same guys for 10 years. You're going to have to figure out ways to keep getting them out. That's some of the things that they want to see. So I love your answer about, yeah, you know, he may have had my number. I may have had his number. But, you know, it's not over yet. So let's see where that that can go. And Learning from those and being able to kind of play that chess game of, okay, he got me this time on that. I'm gonna see if I can attack him early in the count or whatever it may be. And that's what it all comes down to is making adjustments at the major league level.
2: Yeah, exactly. And also pitchers are supposed to get or pitchers are supposed to get me out more than seventy percent of the time. If you guys get me out seventy percent of the time, you're not doing your job. Because if I succeed three out of ten times then 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 I'm 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 feeling I'm feeling sexy about myself. <laughs> I'm feeling but if it's if I only succeed two out of two out of ten times, then it's like, all right, what are we what are we doing here? What what's wrong? What do I need to do?
0: You mentioned sexy a couple more minutes here with Pete Alonzo. We really really appreciate the time, Pete. You mentioned sexy, so we got to talk dad bod. Now you and Haley, you don't have a kid yet, for now, I guess, and uh, uh, that we, that we know of, Pete. And uh, <laughs> breaking news, yeah, breaking news. Uh, <laughs> that'd be an amazing but true. Uh, Maury dropped or Jerry Springer dropped. You are the father. Um, now, have uh-huh. you have you embrace pete the dad bot. people say you have this dad bot, you know that you got your your jersey ripped off and have you imbr- fully embraced the dad bot? do you call it a dad
2: bot? what is it no it's a power bot. i don't i don't call it a dad bot at all because I, I i feel like the the dad bot is a uh it's it, for me it's a, it's a misconception because i i think if you're cut up and you have ads i feel like ad, if you have ads you don't eat enough so like you're starving yourself like facts and for me, like i i i think i'm one of the strongest guys in major league baseball and if i didn't if i didn't have my weight like granted like if i didn't weigh the way i was and if i didn't if my body wasn't the way it was, I wouldn't be able to to hit 53 homers or like, I think I got more in the tank as I progressed. I mean, granted, like, like I've never had, that's just my body type. I've never seen, I've tried, I, I've tried so many times, like my freshman year, I was, I was close. I was close to getting abs at 215, but I hit four homers and I'm like, all right, that ain't going to play. <laughs> four, I'm a corner guy. Four homers in a, in a college season is not going to play. So I worked off in the weight room like I'm not saying I like I eat like crap because I, I eat well I don't eat food out of a bag like I eat I eat fish that I catch I eat I eat I eat deer meat elk meat that I that I kill myself like I eat clean I do I do what I can but that's just how my body looks I train my ass off I condition but uh I think if you have abs, I, I just don't think you're – again, like, just eat something. Like, have, have a stick.
0: <laughs> Listen, Pete, chicks dig the dad bod. I think it's a compliment. I like power bod. Um, I'm going to call – I like that, the power bod. That's what we're going to call Pete Alonzo. I agree, Figgy. Pete's right. Abs are overrated. Screw abs. Start eating, you, you skinny bastards.
1: <laughs> Listen, I, I think Pete has—he's hit it on the, uh, the nail on the head right there. My thing for him is, I've seen guys, especially professional athletes, because they get into that. Oh, you got to lose weight. You got to do this. You got to do that, and it affects their game. It affects their swing. It affects the way they throw a baseball. I—I I had a guy that I played with in the minor leagues that. He was 94 miles an hour. He was heavy set. And they're like, oh man, if you just lost some weight, you know, it, it would really help you, it'd really do this. He lost the weight and he was throwing 88 miles an hour and got released later on that year. So when you do some body modifications and you do these body changes, it takes a while to adapt what you're used to doing with your swing or with your arm path to get the most out of yourself again. And so, Pete, don't change a thing when it comes to that, your your body type or whatever it is. Remember that playing that long season, I think that's what people, or most people would say is the concern. And for you as the athlete, that had to be the biggest concern going from a college season to a minor league season. to then all of a sudden 162 games plus. You hear me when I'm saying the plus cuz want to see you guys in the playoffs. Let's and go. The World Series. World Series so so 2021. Let's go baby. That's the biggest that's the biggest difference I think that uh, you're focusing on is that how to maintain that power bod for 162 games plus.
2: No, absolutely. And I for a big guy, I know I'm not I don't have Billy Hamilton speed, but I run the base well. I'm sneaky fast. And uh, I feel like that I'm, I'm really efficient with what I do. I know I'm not the fastest guy out there, but I, I mean, for me, what I do, I need my game is to create force, impact the baseball and be the best defender I can be. And I'm nimble as hell for a big guy. I can I can do a split. I'm mobile. I'm flexible like that. And as a first baseman needing like needing to stretch like that, that that's my game. I just need to create force, be flexible. And and honestly, like my body like is, is, is built to last. That's the thing that I'm proud of is that, like, I'm, I'm healthy. Like, I'm healthy. And, like, in August, like, granted, like, there's no, no one's 100% in August, but I feel like that I'm not as tired. Like, in 19, I wasn't as tired as everybody else. Being able to outlast people in a long season and in the minor league, yeah, I played 140 something games, but then I had to go to, go to the fall league. So that's, so that's another seven weeks of baseball. So that's 170 something right there. And college, I played the uh, 60 something games that We played, and after we got sent home from the season, I played another 55 games in the Northwoods League, which is exactly like riding the bus. In the minor leagues, you you play like you, you ride those eight hour trips, sleep on the floor in those hotels, eat, eat ballpark food. And you learn what the minor leagues is like. And I played probably close to 120, 130 games, uh, in 2014. So I, I know what it's like to, to play a game and how to, how to pace myself. And I'm going to continue to refine what I do. And I mean, I, I think eventually one day, I'm not saying I'm going to hit 60 like this year, because I don't know if I have 162 games, but I think if I stay locked in at the plate, uh, and stay disciplined in what I'm doing. Like, I don't think there's any reason why at some point in my career I can hit 60 or more homers.
1: No doubt. One of the things you just said about being nimble and being the best defensive first baseman you can be, in your first season, you were right up there, top three in all of baseball. Might have been even close to number one. I don't remember if it was the National League or overall baseball. In a stat that isn't kept in a lot of places, it's scoops. And that's saving those errors, those throws across the diamond. And we saw a lot of those throws across the diamond from the various third basemen that we had and and sometimes from Rosario scoops and bailing out your teammate that is such a huge thing that people don't realize um, when they talk about uh, first baseman defensively Carlos Delgado had joked about David Wright won the gold glove he wanted them to saw it in half so he could have half of that gold glove for picking out all those throws over from David Wright so talk about that big part of your game not just the fielding of the ground balls but scooping out those potential errors and keeping those guys off base
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, or or just keeping a or keeping a throw go that goes into the dugout or in the stands, like coming off the bag. I mean that those are big parts of the game and I just wanna be like being a good first baseman in, in my mind is, is the equivalent of being a good teammate because you you gotta be there for your teammates if if, if something happens. Like I mean, everyone wants to to make the perfect throw to the chest or, or right right at your face, but in in a game where people, if you're competing, going toe-to-toe with people, then things don't happen the way that you plan all the time, and I, I want to be there, I want to be there to help and pick up my guys. Uh, whenever I have the opportunity to
0: see Pete this is why me and Figgy are different figgy's the nerd that has stats about scoops and here I am thinking about scoops of ice cream at at (laughs) 9 a.m so this is where this is where we different I'm the fat ass and he and he's got the uh all the war and and the uh, scoop stats Uh, unheard of stats you can't even find on baseball reference I, I gotta ask food okay so could we kept you this long next season I am going to bring if you eat pizza Amore's pizza the exit after City Field. I don't know if you've ever had it, but you and the in the roster, if if you guys do eat pizza, need to have that because I know you had your college point experience with Benetares Italian Deli, but you, you need Amore's Pizza as well in there next season at some point when fans are back in the building.
2: No, of course, but I honestly I think the best, uh, the best, the best pie in New York is uh, is, is Poly G. I don't know if that if, if they're gonna if they're gonna compete with that, but I'm gonna give it a try.
0: All right, so I'm gonna bring a pie. You you I'll bring you a pie. You you and the, whoever else, maybe Dom I'm sure Dom Smith will have a few slices, maybe. Um, I don't I don't know who else is a big pizza guy, but Paulie G versus Amores. This is the battle that we need, the pizza battle we need in 2021. Let's hope we're back at City Field. Homers for Go visit, go contribute. Pete Alonzo. Good luck this offseason getting ready. Me and Figgy are looking forward to uh, seeing you in 2021 at the stadium, and we hope we get a World Series. We hope we got George Springer under the Christmas tree and Trevor Bauer. Bring them all in, Uncle Stevie, if you're listening to this. Pete Alonzo, thanks for coming on Amazing But True.
2: Oh, of course, guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: That says hasta la vista, baby, to episode 33, the Matt Harvey or John Main edition of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post.
1: Happy Hanukkah to you, Jake. And on the eighth night, I told you I'd follow you, and I did. But thanks to you and Alex Camerata for producing the show. Catch up on all episodes of Amazing But True by subscribing on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review,
0: please. For Nelson Figueroa and his Twitter follow, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back whenever the next Mets news hits. Cough, cough, George Springer. Merry Christmas and happy holidays, folks. Stay safe.